Ian, you did a good job reading the scripture. You have a good voice to listen to. It's that lower kind of voice that's easy to listen to. I know the folks on the radio enjoyed it, hearing you read the scripture today. Thank you. Two sailors, part of the Navy, were on layover in a port city. And that night they had some time for recreation. And they participated in just about every vice you could think of. Every escapade and act of immorality. The next morning, partially hungover, one of them said, I dare you to go in that cathedral and confess everything that you did last night. I'll pay you $100 if you think you've got the courage to do that. And he thought, $100? I can do that. And so he went inside to the cathedral and he met with the priest and his friend was listening just to make sure that he would see it through. And he began to explain and describe everything he had done. And he said, Father, with a disingenuous tone, I have sinned. Let me tell you about it. And he chuckled. And the, the priest understood he was being insincere. And he said, okay, I've heard you. And part of your penitence is now you confessed. And now I want you to go. And there's a cross out in the courtyard, and it has the image of Christ on it. I want you to go and I want you to say to that image, I want you to say to the cross of Christ and to that image of Christ, Jesus, I know everything you have done and I could care less. Because the priest saw how he was making a mockery of all that he had done thus far. <coughs> And his friend heard that and he said, to get your hundred bucks, you're going to have to do that. And so he went and he stood in front of that cross. And with a good bit of arrogance starting out, he said, Jesus, I know everything you've done. And I could. And he paused. And he said, and I could. A strange thing happened. He could not. Finish the sentence. Let us pray together. Lord, we thank you for the cross. We've sung about it. We will have talked about it. We have read about it. But now, Lord, we ask that you would make it a reality for us, a mystical, timeless message of your love and grace and our response and obedience. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable unto you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, there really is an awesome significance to the cross. It is there that sinners are convicted. It is there that the arrogant are humbled and the skeptic can be convinced. The Bible says that the message 
of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those that are being saved, it is the power of God. And there are some, I guess, who could stand in front of the cross and be unmoved, indifferent. But I think we could affirm that at the foot of the cross, beneath the cross, our mistakes and transgressions, our sin, is forgiven. Our attitudes are transformed, and it is there that we find hope eternal. We're heading into a series. In fact, we start that series today called Cross Encounters. And we're going to be taking a look at the lives of those who encountered the cross of Jesus Christ and how they were changed and how they responded to that cross of Christ. And it's my hope that as we discover again this one who died on the cross for us, that it will give us new life, that we'll be transformed again by the message of the cross, that we'll find fresh truths that will transform us. Well, we come to today the message related to the soldiers, the Roman soldiers. You have your message notes. I invite you to read two of the verses with me that Ian read for us as part of the broader and more expanded scripture. Uh, John 19, verses 23 and 24. And let's let that be a descriptive scene for us. The soldiers had crucified Jesus and they took his clothes and they divided them into four parts. One for each soldier. And they also took his tunic. Now the tunic was a seamless a woven piece of fabric, and it, and it would kind of run, let's say, from the shoulders down below the waist to maybe the knees. And so they took part of his clothing and cast it into sections and took it for their own possession. And then they said, let's cast lots for this one piece. It would be like a large T-shirt that felt and was worn close to the body. And that would fulfill a passage of scripture from the prophets. They divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. Think about this scene for a moment. The soldiers were witnessing the most significant event in history, and yet they were unmoved. I mean, they touched the very life, the incarnate God, and yet they were untouched by the moment. And you know, I really believe that can happen to us. I believe that those same things that happen to the soldiers can happen to us over time. We can become indifferent to the cross. We can become unmoved, unfazed, and so I want to suggest to you there's a couple of reasons why they were unmoved, that they were indifferent. And one was familiarity. You see, death by crucifixion was common in that day. In the first century, it was routine. If there was an execution today, it would make headlines. But not in that day. The crucifixion was a part of the culture and life. And it was a message. It was a message to the populace. The Roman government was saying, if there is an insurrection, if, if there is disobedience to the law and to the governments, 
that you will be crucified, see, we are sending this message out as a deterrent for an uprising. And Jesus knew full well when he said these words, the Son of Man will be handed over to his enemies and will be crucified. He knew the harsh reality of what he was saying to his disciples. And the Roman soldiers had participated in this form of execution, and it had become so methodical. Have you ever done something that it has become so routine that you don't even think about it? It's second nature. And so they had removed that ugliness of what they were doing from their minds and lives and their emotional experience. It says they crucified him, gambled for his clothing, and simply, Scripture says, watched him. They were unmoved, unfazed. I've talked to some first responders, and I know you have too. And I'm fascinated by those who come to the scene of an accident where there's been a horrific tragedy. Whether it be a a state trooper or a policeman or a, a paramedic and... And I've asked some of them, how do, you, how do you go up to a situation like that? How do you move through moments where you're going through the carnage of all that and, and, and you're piecing through the metal to get to actual wounded people and people that have died on the scene? And something they say over and over again is you, you have to separate yourself from the emotion. You have, you have to distance yourself so that you can get through the steps that are required to get on the other side of that. And so emotionally you have to step aside if you would and you go through that and if it happens a couple of times a week, believe it or not, you get to the place where you can actually end your day after working an accident and sit with your family for supper. That's fascinating to me. And I guess to move through those moments, you have to be that way. And I wonder if that kind of familiarity affected these soldiers who were literally gambling over the clothing of the Son of God. It was just another execution for them. And they had become indifferent, unmoved. Bob Russell says that when it comes to the cross, our familiarity does... It does not equal intimacy. It may be displayed in our churches and it it can adorn our bodies, but it's easily something that we don't let transform us. It simply becomes a symbol of the culture. And so some of us today, and I found myself even doing this, singing the old rugged cross by memory. And, And it is a precious song. It's very, very special. But I think sometimes we get in a routine of coming to church, singing, talking, using the word centered around the cross and being unmoved. Some leaders of Campus Crusade talk about how they've gone into some tribal areas and they have translated uh, the gospel into the language that's indigenous to the culture. And and they've also brought in a movie projector and they project the story, uh, the drama, Jesus on the screen. And something very profound happens as they hear this language that is theirs. And as they see the vividness of what's unfolding, because many of them have not seen a motion picture before anyway, 
But as they see a motion picture about the life of Jesus, and then they see the passion and the suffering and the pain that Christ went through, and they see him carrying his cross, and they see the injustice, they rush the screen. They run to the screen and somehow try to stop the events because they are so moved. Wouldn't it be wonderful if this Lenten season we were moved? Some would say, that's naive, Tim. Well, I tell you, I applaud that naivety versus ambivalence and indifference. Are we willing to be moved by the cross of Jesus Christ and the message that it sends from God and the message for us. Another reason why uh, the soldiers may have been indifferent is because of their prejudice. Isn't it interesting how <coughs> prejudice really contaminates the way we see it? It dims our lenses. It, it affects how we see people. It, it's part of our paradigm, unfortunately. And we, we judge people based on their race or their skin color or, or maybe their cultural um, setting or their their region and where they live. And I, and I wonder if part of that indifference came from the fact that the, the Jews hated the Romans because they were oppressed. And the Romans saw the Jews as nothing but a nuisance, something to oppress. It was often the case that a zealot, a Jewish zealot, would have a sharp object like a knife and would run up in a crowd and, and slash a Roman soldier and then duck out into the crowd never to be found. And so there was a lot of animosity between the two races. And I, and I just wonder if that prejudicial thinking toward the Jews by the Romans made it easy for them to say, well, let's just crucify every one of them. I mean, we've seen that. We've seen it when the oppressor is harsh and the oppressed is angry, even in our world today. Sometimes I wonder if people do that regarding the church. If, if they judge the Christ of our lives based on our behavior and based on who we are. And sometimes they may do that rightly. I mean, I saw a bumper sticker that said, uh, Jesus, I like you. It's your followers I struggle with. But then, you know, there's another side of me that says, well, you're right. Bill Brown is here today at a recent funeral. He said, you know, every one of us is a sinner saved by grace. And he's exactly right. He said the person on the right is a sinner saved by grace. And if you look, the person on the left is a sinner by grace. And if you look at the one who's pointing, that's a center, sinner uh, saved by grace. And while there may be hypocrisy in the life of many Christians, and I understand that, the good news is we'll scoot over. We always have room for one more. And the other is some have said, you know, it's a hypocrite that stands between me and God and in my belief in God. And someone said, well, the hypocrite may be just a little bit closer then. So maybe it was that prejudicial thinking that made it easy for them to crucify Christ. And I think we can be that way as well. 
May it be that we're not like the soldiers that were unmoved by the familiar. May it be that we are not so prejudicial that we don't reach out and extend our arms of love as one who represents Christ. Maybe they will judge our lives as ones with character and we point others to Jesus. But then there's something else. Uh, There's something more. I, I find it interesting that they did not tear that one piece of cloth, as the scripture said, Uh, They simply said, let's protect this one, and winner takes all. Uh, Let's roll the dice. Let's cast our lights. And they were looking down. I don't know about you, but I've seen those uh, signs uh, or pictures, I should say, images of where this scene takes place. And you have Christ up on the cross. He is bleeding. He's nailed to the cross. And then you find that down below there are soldiers, and they're rolling the dice. And there's a piece of fabric on the table. And it's interesting because they're looking downward. They're looking at the table, at the material things. Could it be that the material things of this world drew their eyes down and they were never able to look up at Christ? I really believe that can happen to us. Even those of us who are in Christ, who may feel like, hey, we don't have a whole lot. But in reality, we are wealthy and we become obsessed by the things of this world. That we are distracted and we become indifferent to the cross of Christ and to the Christ that's on the cross. I want to ask you a question today. Have you had your head down? Has your vision been cast down when Christ simply wants you to look up? And to find the full joy and the full abundance that he has to offer. Beyond the material things of this world. Beyond our prejudicial thinking. Beyond the familiar and routine. Maybe today you've entered this place and you've been downcast for so many reasons. I believe that Christ is inviting you to to lift your head. Well, the, the challenge was before that young man and and he stood with his friend listening and the priest watching from a distance and he said Jesus Christ I know all the things you've done and I could I could and he felt his knees and he wept and I could use your grace and forgiveness and mercy You see, he looked up just long enough to get a glimpse of the immense and eternal love of God in the cross. And my question to you today, and some of you listening by radio, won't you look up? Won't you celebrate the most important centerpiece of history? And may it be that we move from an indifference and ambivalence. May it be that we move from a materialistic way of thinking. May it be that we move from our prejudicial thinking to an understanding of the gospel that is grace-based and full of mercy for us. 
On the cross, on the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.